Hello and welcome to the XNMO Wine Co podcast. Um, I'm David Clark. Thank you for joining us again. This week or this episode, we have Alan Mullins, who uh, next year will celebrate 30 years in the Woolworths wine department. Now, Woolworths is a retail chain here in South Africa with homeware, food and wine, and beauty and clothing. So, quite an important representation in the marketplace here. So, we covered lots of different things. Alan's obviously had a lot of experience in the wine industry, um, so started in officially in 1990s, but before that he was one of the first Cape wine masters in the 80s. Uh, so he fills a gap in my wine knowledge of South Africa, which is you know earlier than say 2000. So it was a really interesting chat. We covered lots of different things, among them the South African drinking patterns or buying patterns of, uh, of wine over that time, the rise of Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay in the 1990s, Stellenbosch Farmers Winery and KWV, uh, the retail giant brands that are locally, that are Haute Cabriere, Rupert and Rothschild, Classic, Bugenhutskliff Chocolate Block, uh, the Springfield Life from Stone. Uh, Alan started asking me questions as well, which wasn't the plan, but you know, always nice to have a conversation. So we chatted about the um, wine market in Australia and my journey into wine, which is a very long story, but we cut it short, thankfully. Yeah, a lot of the rise of Merlot in, in South Africa in the buying patterns, the rise of Shannon in the last sort of 20 years, more or less the breakdown of the sales that they see by variety in Woolworths. Um, the move to online retail, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, um, covered a lot of different topics. Um, apparently Ellen was a boat rates drinking champion in Varsity in the Eastern Cape. Yeah, so I hope you enjoy. And if you do find this podcast uh, useful or enjoyable, please share and tell people about it. Uh, yeah, and I hope you enjoy my chat with Ellen Mullins. Thanks very much. So Ellen Mullins, thank you very much for joining me. Great. It's good to see you, David. Oh, likewise, likewise. Now, you've been involved at Woolworths for almost 30 years, is that right? Yeah, 30 years next year. Next year. So what's that, 2020? So you started in 19... Started in 1990. Wow. Okay. What was Woolworths yeah. back then? What was happening in Woolworths then? Well, Woolworths food was on the up big time. Mm. Woolworths clothing um, was coming down a bit. So food eventually, well, quite soon after I got there, my fault entirely. Okay. Food took over, has been high, high, taking more money than clothing. Okay. And I was actually a school teacher from 1977 at Saks. Yeah, you were a maths teacher, is that Maths right? teacher, yeah, a bit right. of rugby and water polo. Okay. The boys' school was probably rugby first, then water polo, yeah. then a bit of maths. But anyway, while I was teaching, <laughs> I, I, was in, I was lucky in Cape Town, I met the right people. Okay. And I did the very first Cape Wine Academy courses. Mm. Brilliant woman, Phyllis Hands, head of the Cape Wine Academy. And I did the courses, right through the courses, while teaching. And then I became the fifth Cape Wine Master okay. in 1986. Right. So there I was teaching with this Cape Wine Master degree. Yeah. And I went to a Cape Wine Guild tasting. I was lecturing and doing all sorts. I was totally involved in wine. Yeah, because there would have been a very exclusive group. Yeah. A little bit of, five or six of you, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of teaching on the side. Mm. And um, I went to a Cape Wine Guild tasting. Mm. And it was crowded, and this woman was, I was back to back with the girl, Eve Jell, who I knew. Mm -hmm. And she was the Woolworths, she'd started the Woolworths department, wine department. Okay. Only about four, four five years before. Okay. And I heard her saying she was moving to George to start a restaurant. So I spun around, I said, Eve, um, you're, going, you're leaving Woolworths? She said, yep, so I applied. Apparently a lot of people applied, but seen okay. I was a Cape Wine master, I got it. Yeah. So I started in 1990. Superior CV. 
Exactly. <laughs> I've never looked back. Never looked back. But that one, see, I came in at a fantastic time. So Woolworths at that point, um, mm. I mean, obviously I'm not from South Africa. I don't know any of the history of Woolworths. Yeah. So I know it as it pretty much is today. Obviously, it was sort of like a high-end supermarket. Would that would that put it what it was, or is it a department store rather? Or yeah, it started just clothing. Yeah. in nineteen thirty. Oh wow! David okay. Sonnenberg of of Dimmersfontein, his father and grandfather started it. Nineteen thirty. Nineteen thirty. It started was wow. a penny bazaar. Okay. And but then through oh, through contacts, they linked up with Marks and Spencer. Right. So there's been this close link with Marks and Spencer ever since. Yeah. And is that um, uh, mutual ownership or is it just sort of like a, an affiliation? More an affiliation. Okay. David Sussman, who was our chairman for many years, great man, mm. he married Lord Seif's daughter, and Lord Seif was the big shot at MS. So he actually owned, he owned more shares than anybody else. He owned about half the shares in MS. Okay. And they were very close. So I, I used to go often to Marks and Spencer, work with them travel Europe with them and so on okay. on their uh, budget, which was quite fun. Mm, nice, that's handy. Yeah. It's very easy spending someone else's money, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> but Woolworths has grown, as I say, and foods have come into their own. Yeah. And foods have become a speciality thing. Yeah, absolutely. The bit, it's a lovely place to work because quality comes first. Yeah. If something is, even if it's selling a lot, but we're not happy with the quality, we can ditch it mm. sometimes. Okay. Mostly. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, everything is just quality orientated, mm. and that's been great. I love mm. it. But so I, when you took yeah. over in 1990, what, what mm. was the situation in the wine department? What was, the, what was okay. happening? Okay. It was the perfect time to come in. Okay. Because um, Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay were just starting to come up. Yep. Yeah. They were relatively new. Only, um, what were people drinking before that? Chenin Blanc and Chenin Blanc and uh, Muscat. And okay. A bit of everything. Yeah, right. And suddenly that they came in. And unfortunately, in one way, a lot of the Chenin Blanc got pulled out. Right. But Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay were just, in the early 80s, Donny DeVette and others were the first to make those. Simonsach. Yes. Chardonnay and Sauvignon. Okay. So I could immediately climb into those. Yeah. And it was great. Um, did you, did you feel, I mean, what was the, how did, how did the, the drip, like the, the consumer, the drinker, um, make the jump from, Musket and Chenin to Chardonnay and Sauvignon. Was it a, is it sort of a cultural shift, or was it, you know, like did the producers produce the wine then sell it, or was there a thirst for that coming through? I mean, what was the how, was it, a, how did the change happen? A bit of both, really. Okay. I mean, Chardonnay, the early Chardonnays were overwooded and with malolactic, and yeah. you know they weren't Big that monsters. pleasant. Yeah. Okay. But some people loved them. Yeah. Sauvignon Blanc took off very quickly. Really? Okay. I remember our first one, I think, was with Jeff Greer at Valera. And I know people love the taste. It's a typical South African, quite simple, mm -hmm. but uh, easy to drink and Aromatic, nice and hot fresh. weather. Aromatic, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just took off. Okay. And our, our wine department was quite interesting. It started as 100% own label. And they weren't doing very well. This, you know, in fact, when I joined Woolworths, I never bought a Woolworths wine. Was it, was it um, branded as Woolworths wine or was it yeah, just sort of totally like a buyer's own brand that was only for Woolworths? Yeah, only for Woolworths, didn't say the producer or anything. Oh, it just said Woolworths, yeah, Sauvignon yeah. Blanc or whatever And it was. the okay. labels were pretty crap in those days. Okay. There, there was a trend for pastel labels. Okay. And there was like perfume, like tissue and uh, what yeah. did Jan Boerling say? Yeah, that's like jam jars. And okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. I was just lucky. I, I came in at a time when I could put more modern 
one luck looking labels on. Yes, okay. So we started taking off. I'm going to switch yeah. this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so no. were you able to, were you still operating as own labels then or were you? We started putting. First, only for our best wines. Okay. And then we started all of the wines putting the producer's name on. Okay. So, and that made all the difference. Right, yeah. And we had some good producers, some of them been with us forever, so. Yeah, some, well, that's a bit of shared marketing, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah. So, at, um, apart from Valera, what other um, labels were, were selling lots and what were the, 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 well, we had, the favorites uh, back when you started? Yeah. We had Neil Ellis with Chardonnay, not Neil Ellis, well, we had Neil Ellis mm. with Sauvignon Blanc and various things. And uh, remember Ron Riesling and a wooded Sauvignon. Jan Boerland could see her, frizzing off. Mm -hmm. he, um, he, was, he was a great guy to deal with. Mm. He did Chardonnay and Cabernet. And he's a rock character. He was that huge rugby hero and mm. so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, <laughs> I remember we went to a, we had a course at Woolworths when I started on power dressing. And uh, they on said. On what, sorry? Power dressing. Power dressing. Now those days, like dressing with like big shoulder pads and. Well, you know, getting the best of your negotiations. I see. If you, right. If you had a look impressive. In those oh, days, right, okay. we wore jackets and ties. Yeah, like, like double breasted suits with yeah, brass buttons. Yeah, the whole bloody and, thing. Yeah, okay. We had to wear jackets and ties at work when I started, okay. believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> they were saying well, you wanted a strap tie and a plain shirt and a whatever jacket and so on. Yeah. And I said to the guys, look, you missed the point here. We deal with a guy, Jan Boron, could see her. He knows all about power dressing. It's the coldest day. He comes in here with tight shorts and rugby socks and feldskins. Yeah. That's power dressing. Well, you're, he lucky if, you're lucky old. if he's wearing shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he put them on specially in that day. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a character. Okay. He's a lovely guy. And, yeah. and, and what, what other sort of, was it mostly sort of Stellenbosch and Powell based ones? Yeah, it was. Point? I mean, there was no Elgin in those days. Okay. And um, Elam and. Yeah. Franchuk was starting. In fact, Lamotte. We started big time with Lamotte. Okay. And some lovely blends with Jacques Borman, who was a wine man. Yeah. And you know his son, uh, Rhiannon Borman. Oh, was he? Oh, was Jacques Borman um, at Lamotte before he started? Yeah, Bush yeah, Blue? yeah. Okay, right. He started Lamotte. I spent a lot of time He started Lamotte. Okay. Yeah, he was yeah. the first winemaker then. He was brilliant. So these, these are why I enjoy these conversations, because I, yeah. I learn stuff every time I speak to somebody. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We had a great time. We blended good wines together, mm. yeah. So obviously, um, at the start of the 90s, that was before um, democracy and about 94. Was that a big, obviously that was a pretty uh, tumultuous time in South Africa. It was. It in was general. A, yeah. Um, and specifically for the wine um, uh, industry, how did that sort of, how did that uh, tumult manifest itself? Was it an yeah. easy transition for the wine industry? Was it hard or is it, I mean, some would say it's still happening. Well, I think we messed it up a bit. Okay. Because suddenly all these export channels were opening. Yes. And people wanted our wines. So that's great. Yeah. But we, we sent over so much wine mm. and not really good wine. Right. And so we filled the pipeline too quickly. Yes. And then there weren't repeat sales. I see. Kind of hard. I've spoken a lot to Neil Ellis and mm. people like that. Mm. And so there was a huge flow of wine over there. But uh, it slowed down and then it sort of sorted itself out mm. but it mm. was exciting in the beginning yeah i'm sure yeah yeah, yeah. and the future was uh yeah. was anyone's oyster wasn't it? a nice exchange rate that we yeah. had in those days so. yeah what was the exchange rate can you remember sort of at wow. that time uh, the dollar i'm not sure dollar was about six yeah uh, right. it was much better okay yeah, yeah it was a bit, bit better yeah. now <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so yeah. your role at that point was 
uh, obviously um, uh, sort of procurement, sort of finding mm. wines to sell. And what about the selling of the wines in the shops? Was that more? Was that mostly done through display? And was there much sort of um, uh, information going to the consumer in terms of what they should buy and information, or yeah. was it really just put it on show? And then I did tastings. I travelled around. I gave um, tastings and talks and lectures to all our staff. Mm. But it's it was always a weakness is getting the message across. Yeah, because there we were working flat out and working with top winemakers and we think making damn good wines. And it took time for the customers to kind of realize. That's one thing I just want to emphasize is that a lot of our wines are unique, exclusive blends. Yes. The co-brands. Yeah. And that I've done with that, I still do that. Yeah. And that's the part I love with it. With but that's, it. That, is that an important part of what you do in terms mm, of, yeah. Very much why so. Why is that so important? Why is it important to have your own brand or your own uh, blend? You know, it's kind of a Woolworths thing that it's something exclusive and different. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I've been consulting for the last 10 years. I was yes. full-time before that. Okay. But pretty much heavy consulting. And the, I, I take over selection of the wines, approval of new wines, and very much the blending. So, mm. And I really enjoy it. I love it. Yeah, okay. so. And so when you started, how many Woolworths were there? Do you, do you know the numbers? Huh. Sort of rough. Shut up. So bad at those That's right. figures sort of yeah. things. I should have warned probably, you to uh, go do some research. About it. <laughs> probably about a hundred. Okay. Okay. So it was was, re was reasonably. Yeah, large. it wasn't bad. Now yeah, okay. they're about three hundred and fifty. Yeah, so, so yeah. triple in size and, and so. growing all the time. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And um, was uh, did every store have a liquor license and and be able to sell, or was that restricted, or was that has it always been sort of? That was always a bit of a problem. Okay. And some areas battled, and then the liquor liquor act then was. There was one liquor, not every province like now. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was all right, but it took time. Okay. And you got a new store and there was six months where I had a license. Mm -hmm. You know, these bureaucrats, they're yeah. bloody useless. Well, e yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's each, um, each province has its own liquor Outlet. act. And there's oh, a oh, National oh, Liquor oh, Authority sorry. as well. So there's <laughs> mm. <laughs> lots, of, uh, lots of wheels to grease along the way. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we can't sell... Um, wine in the grocery store in our store mm. in Eastern Cape and Natal. Oh, right. Bloody disaster. If it happens in Gauteng and, and the Cape, yeah. then I don't know. Well, what you have to do is have your own entrance and your own toll. Yeah. So they've got them now in Natal. And that's Eastern the same Cape. in Australia. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's no, oh, there's no um, liquor in the aisles. So there's yeah. usually a little liquor shop mm. adjacent to the, to yeah. the supermarket or the, the food part. Um, this, which yeah. is the similar thing, it has its own okay. entrance and its own till. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest, Woolworths really missed the bus a bit. Mm. Because when the law hadn't even come in yet, but there were rumours, mm. and pick and pay and checkers particularly, spa, they all got liquor licences and we started. We opened a store up in um, Santon and Hard Bay and they were doing well. But for some reason, and we were due to open a whole lot more, but for some reason, the guys pulled back on it. Mm. And when we really was this? What, what, what sort of... Period? Sorry? What, when, when was this? When, what, this what? would have been about 12 years ago. Oh, okay. 12, 15 years ago. Yeah. And we, we were left behind. Right. So even opening these few single uh, special outlet stores, mm. we've been so slow with it. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. That's, and what was the reason for that? Is that just a, a management decision that went one way and should have gone the other sort of thing? Yeah, I, I worked with a great guy, Ivan Ortley. I don't know if you met him. And... Mm. Uh, 
we fought it, yeah, and uh, basically it turned out that there was not enough, your profit margins on liquor mm. was a lot less than you would on clothes or food and fancy yeah. things like that. Ah, right, okay. Which, which was short-sighted, yeah. anyway. So the, uh, the accountants got hold of the spreadsheet. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they tend to do. <laughs> That's so many square meters, yeah. and you can't fill it with good things. So, anyway. So, when you first started, obviously you said um, Chardonnay and Sauvignon were, you know, just breaking through. Mm -hmm. um, what else were people drinking? Was it sort of Cabernet Bordeaux blends? That sort of was Cabernet was, Bordeaux blends. Yeah, Shiraz was still quite small. Yes, but coming through. Yeah, and of course Pinotage, Pinotage. Yeah, yeah. Pinotage. How is, yeah. Uh, was that? Has that always been popular, or is it? Yeah, of, it's always been pretty popular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there wasn't such a big choice in those days. Yeah, the choices. Your mm. job is much more difficult now, I would assume, than it was, because there's just yeah. too too much to choose from. Yeah, there is, there is, there is, and there's so many labels. You know, that back in the '90s, you could go into a, a restaurant, mm. and I would know every label. Yes. And now it's people like David Clark and some. They're bringing all these <laughs> weird things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Never it's heard orange, of orange cloudy things. Orange cloudy things, yeah. <laughs> not cloudy bay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which are fun and it's very, very exciting. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And um, and so what what is what has there been the changes that you've seen? Obviously, that's three decades. There's a lot to yeah. talk about. Um, before the sort of the the la I mean, I've been in South Africa now six years, so I've seen what's happened in the last six years. Yeah. Maybe take me back another sort of 10, 15 years prior to that. So what was happening in the late '90s when? Uh, so ten years after you started, what was yeah. what was the situation then? Was it sort of did it obviously there was um, ninety four that change and a few yeah. years after that did things settle down and and and, uh, and plateau a little bit or has it always been a sort of a a, 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 a learning process and a lot of it was um, a very conservative industry okay and there were certain producers okay Sunwash Farmers Winery and KWB were huge because mm -hmm. like Niederberg and so on and then. Bergkelder and um, and and the farms, but there wasn't much new stuff. And yeah, the so it was dominated by the co-ops and the estates. There yeah, not, yeah, a lot of co-ops. You sold a lot of wine. Yeah, a lot of wine, and there was very little change. Okay, I think that started in the kind of later nineties, early two hundreds, yeah, two thousands, two hundreds. Yeah, and um, people started. And our consumers are you would know it better than most. Are quite. Um, loath to, you know, you can get the guys you're interested, the geeks and so on, mm. but the normal housewife or guy who likes his bottle of, you know, Merlot and that's it. So, South African drinkers tend to be quite, um, and I'm not sure about other industries, other mm. sort of commercial industries, but they tend to be quite brand loyal. Very brand so loyal. So if you drink yeah. a certain brandy, you're going to, you, you're, you know, mm. you are a Clippies drinker, and if yeah. they have. You know something else is like yeah I don't know have you got some is would you did you find that with the wine as well that people very would, much would, would, very would follow much, labels yeah. rather than look for the better wine or yeah and could you could you change their habits via um, price or um, is that possible or or is it more about trying to get them to uh, scale up and get a, a better wine for their money tried very hard for them to get them to scale up mm. and. Um, I don't, we did all the publicity we could. I used to be on TV quite a bit. Yeah, right. Well, as much as you can do. Yes. And uh, it's very difficult in a supermarket. Mm. You know, we now we start in a wine club. Yeah. How does that work? Well, we're still on the form formulating it. Oh, right. Still so in the have got one and checkers oh, right. have got one. Okay. But basically, you're going to get a pack of wine every three months. And yep. 
and get newsletters and a bit of information about free the tastings. Yeah, like yeah. all the wine estates yeah. are starting now. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's a conservative customer base. Yeah. Even now, we've got guys. Well, okay, it's a little broader, but they'll only drink Sauvignon Blanc and Merlot. Those okay. are our big sellers. You know? Right. Is that what you sell most of? I was going to ask uh, by you far, by Oh, far, really? By far, yeah. yeah, okay. We've got a few. You know, now we've got a lot of wines we make ourselves, but we've got also quite a lot of brands. Mm. And there's some big brands. I, I just am fascinated by it how some brands mm. just take the public's interest. Mm. There's that Haute Cabrier Chardonnay Pinot Noir. Yeah, I think it's kind of a Joburg businessman sort of thing. Yeah, so it's, it's sort of like a blanc. De, it's a sort of a rosé wine, isn't it? Sort of like yeah, a, sort of like a darkish rosé. No, not too dark. It's yeah, okay. just off pale. Yeah. Did it's it? What, did it? Is, has it changed in style over the years? I mean, I've heard rumours that it was was very sweet, and now it's. It's definitely cut back a lot. Yeah, it used yeah. to be about 12 grams per litre. Okay. And it's come right down. It's about five now. Okay. So just yeah. sort of on the dry yeah, edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Edge of but it took a while, but now there's so many of them around. Yeah. But that's still, uh, and it's 90, over 90 rand. Mm. So for a wine over 90 rand to be our top white wine seller, it's amazing. Yeah. And then red, there's um, Rupert Nashal Classique. Okay. Flies out. Does it? Mm. Yeah, right. And what, 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 do you, what price is that? Uh, that is 160 rand. 160. So it's still reasonable, yeah. you know, quite good for a Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and is that a Bordeaux blend or is there a little bit of... No, it's Bordeaux blend. Okay. You know, it's owned by the Rupert's big South African family mm. and um, Baron Edmund Rothschild. Yeah, some, some small European Rothschild yeah, yeah, family. Yeah, yeah, sure. Battling a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Scraping so, together uh, a living. <laughs> I've, I've just written an article about it and there's yeah. a real French influence. Yeah. I mean, the classic is something like... 70% Cab, 20 Merlot, and 10 Cabernet Franc. Mm. I mean, that's Poyac, that's left bank straight. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's a real French style. And the wines and are... And they're producing quite a lot of it, aren't they? Like they'd, they'd, be, they'd, they'd be um, consuming, a, what, almost well, more than 50% of the, the country's Cabernet Franc, wouldn't they? Yeah. Wine yeah, alone? yeah. Or just about? Just about, I'll tell you. They, and we just can't get enough of it. I mean, it is yeah. so popular. Yeah, right. What, and, and why do you think that is? I mean, it's just one of those things that you can't put your finger on? Or yeah. Just, just the right wine is, at the right price point yeah. with the right sort of packaging that people feel comfortable with it or... What about the ch- chocolate block? Yeah. And they're 200 rand. Yeah. When and, did that start? Sorry? When did chocolate block start? When did that... Because that's... Um, that started... Mark well, Kent, wasn't it? Booking was up the, Mark Kent. Yeah, it was the... Uh, about 12, 15 years ago. Okay. I remember going so to... So early 2000s when things started to change, as you said. Yeah, early 2000s. Yeah. Okay. And of course, as you know, it's sort of a Shiraz-led blend and, yeah, it just hit the spot, man. Mm. But and I reckon, I've got, a, I've got a feeling, I don't know this, but I've got a feeling if you ask the average chocolate block drinker what's in it, they wouldn't know. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't care either. No. It's they just, just, they just, just care it's, that it's chocolate block. Yeah. Yeah. I was at a wine tasting once and the producers had stands. I'm very friendly with Mark and he called me over and said, Alan, come look, I've got a new wine, chocolate block. Showed me the label, all white. I said, that's obviously your sample label because it's just plain white. Mm. For some reason, it just caught, and maybe the word chocolate just mm. caught on. Yeah. That's yeah. done very well. Yeah. And then um, is the other Springfield. Yes. Anything with Springfield on it just Yeah, sounds, right. So. I mean, the Life of Stone is probably the one they're most known for, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. But and anything from Springfield. Hullberry Cab. Yeah. yeah, okay. And then we've got other really good producers that we mm. think should be selling yes. that don't. Yeah. You know? oh, crazy. What are, the, what are some of the. Um, well, or if it's lesser known, but Shannon, for instance. Shannon, yeah. Yeah. Lamotte. Okay, Lamotte does pretty well. Yeah. Lamotte does well. We've got a, a Merlot that's exclusive to us, and that 
Grand Rouge, which Jock Borman and I originally blended in 1990, and it does okay. very well. Yeah. Look, it's about 69 Rand. Yeah. And, sorry. Sorry. And um, that's very popular. Yeah. But there are others, man. Um, well, so what, what wines do you think should be doing better that, you know, are producing better wine than their reputation? Yeah, some, well, okay, Stienberg does pretty well. Mm-hmm. Let me think of some others that, uh, um, that we, oh, some we almost, we're having to get rid of. Okay, there's Shannon, which is, makes brilliant wines. Mm. And we've done our own blends there, which yeah. have done well. Because Gordon and Nadia Newton-Johnson make those wines, don't they? I didn't realise that until very recently. And Kathy Marshall makes some as well. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, there yeah. you go. Okay. Um, the ones we're just battling with now that we have to... There are a couple that will come to me now. That's all right. But it's quite... Um, it's we, can, terrible. We, can, we can edit out all this uh, thinking time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just interesting to, to hear what, you know, what you think are uh, producing over the odds wines that you just, that just don't get it the recognition. Don't get it. Yeah. yeah. The ones you just, a bit of a blanket. That's pretty ta- tasty wine, yeah? Hmm. I hope so. Oh, it is very interesting. Quite a lot of skin contact. A little bit, yeah. Mm. Um, not as much as you would think. Like looking at it, mm. you'd mm. think that there'd be more, but um, are, are, um, natural wines big in Australia, becoming more and more, and more mm. and more important in the in the industry. Yeah, I mean, mm. when I left, I was just sorting, starting to poke through mm. on um, top end wine lists, uh, yeah. but now it's it's not rampant, but it's, no. it's certainly much more. Mm. Um, uh, a prominent sector of the market for sure. You seem to sell out on most of your wine. Which is yeah, good. they don't produce much. Yeah. yeah. So they're not they're not making well, not all of them, mm. but not not. I mean, it, it is a bit of a a false economy in terms of mm. you know as long as as long as I can't um, supply the market, I'm happy. Mm. If I if I can supply the market and there's excess, then I start mm. getting a bit grumpy. <laughs> well, because I know that you know the yeah. the market. Um, segment for this style of wine mm-hmm. is finite it's you know it's not i can't just put it everywhere and it'll sell yeah because uh, it is a it, it does require a bit of a cultural shift and um, that's why i'm interested to hear about the changes you've seen over 30 years mm-hmm. and maybe some of the the reasons for those cultural changes or you know perceived you know, reasons. Mm. Even looking back at it, you say, "Oh, well, actually, that was why that worked, or that didn't work." Yeah. At the time, it's very, it's very hard to, to plan perfectly. But in, you know, yeah. with a with a bit of twenty twenty hindsight, sometimes mm. things are a little bit clearer. I tell so, you, some of the wines that I think producers that I rate very highly. Mm. I take a very good example is De Morganzon. Yes. I rate their wines top, 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 and they're mm. professional. Carl's a good friend, and really love working with them. Mm. And their wine just haven't sold. Yeah. With us. Oh, I'll put that off. The, um, the, I don't know, the, the public don't seem to know them. Yeah, right. Is, it, is it just too hard to say, you reckon? Like, is it the Morgan's on it's a bit of a mouthful? Or, because the labels are quite distinctive. I mean, you, you, they see, are. you see it from across the room, you go, oh, that's a De Morgan's on wine. It's not like they yeah. sort of blend into everybody else. Yeah, there's the DMZ, they're lower, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lower range. Mm. Nice, strong colours, nice mm. lettering and so on. I just, we, uh, we've got a Shannon which sells, but it's very affordable, 74 Rand. Yeah. We've got a Chardonnay which doesn't sell, and it's bloody good at mm. 99 Rand. 
we've we did um we did a, a round style white blend yeah we call it concerto white probably white didn't I've seen sell. that yeah because who knows it's, we've had to take it off mm. and i love that one yeah i tell you when it um when we had to stop it old rob gower and rebecca constable that i work with mm. they we went we went out and bought all we could you know yeah, so right. yeah, at yeah. a cheap price and then we've got a red we're gonna have to stop concerto red yeah so, uh, you know, um, yeah, we've got a, a Pinot Noir with him, which funny enough does well. Yeah. But his Pinot Noirs goes 89 Rand. Yeah, right. And it's quite plummy candy fruit. Yeah. But people really like that sort but of thing. But Pinot Noir at that sort of price point is going to taste pretty fruity and, yeah. and simple, you would think. Um, white blends as a category, were they ever popular or are they always, you know, they're always, they always seem to be the favourites of the, the wine fundies mm. and the... And the and the industry, but certainly yeah. trying to get someone, a layperson to, or just a you know just a casual drinker to yeah. order a white blend, they see them as a sort of a secondary class of wine. White blends really frustrate me because I love yeah. them. Yeah, wines like this, well, I this really enjoy I, them. That's why I drink one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even Sauvignon Semillon, which has mm. got a lot of five-star platters in the past and so yep. on and so forth, even that. Um, yeah, I don't know. You, you, they're very hard to sell. Yeah, you know, has it always been the case, or? Yeah, it always has. Yeah, right. About eight or nine years ago, yeah, we we got five wines, got five stars in platter, mm-hmm. and one of them was white. The Woolworths only wines. Yeah, Woolworths yeah. honey. One was a um, Sauvignon Semillon I blended at Stenberg, mm-hmm. and uh, they have that. That's got that thing Magna Carta, which costs about three or four hundred rand. Yeah, and I had access to their grapes. Yeah, right. And um, yeah. So if, if, but the, and, if okay. pre- presumably, sorry to interrupt, but presumably yeah. if they were selling out Magna Carta, you wouldn't have access to those grapes, would you? No, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, this is this is the trying to I'm trying to yeah. picture it into my mind or trying to make sense of it in my mind. Well, what I'm saying it was a mm. hell of a good wine. Yes. I'm 120 sure. yeah. rand. We didn't sell any. Yeah. Yeah, we couldn't. We had to give even, it away. Even after the five star. And, yeah. Yeah. And then we had a blend that I did with um, Torbach Mountain Vineyards. Uh, Kali was there still, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And before Chris, I think. So sort of 07-ish? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was 07. Yeah. And that's I did what, That's where I first met Cully, because uh, I got married until yeah. about in 07, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, mm. wow. Yeah, so um, it was fantastic, but it was a le- real classic blend. Mm. We couldn't sell that, 120 Rand, so. Yeah, right. Just crazy. Yeah. yeah. The two five stars and. So you said Merlot was easily the yeah. The most bought red wine By per bottle. When did that start taking? Because you didn't mention Merlot in the, when you were talking about 1990. Was there much mm. Merlot around at that no, point? No, there wasn't. Okay. It's relatively new. Yeah, right. And now, when you I say relatively new, what's, was, what's relatively? There was very little around. Mm. Started growing in the 90s. And, okay. And people have got this um, image of Merlot as being soft and juicy and fruity and, you know, all this sort of thing. Mm. And... Uh, it normally isn't. I mean, as you know, it's a hard grape to grow well. Mm. And it, when it's good, it's great, but uh, it's most infrequently, infrequently yeah. yeah. So when did, when did Merlot's like really take over? When do you, like late 90s, early Late 2000s? 90s, yeah. Yeah, right. So it's been yeah. around for 20 years virtually. Yeah, but yeah, right. uh, pretty much ignored. And then suddenly yeah. people started planting it, the public started loving it. Because yeah. that, that yeah. hasn't been, it seems, uh, like a direction that the wine industry uh, pointed the customers in. That no. seems like it's a, it's it a seems direction to, the customers yeah. took on them, took on yeah. themselves. You know, like it's like in America, Merlot. So yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, but we haven't seen the sort of the um, uh, the counteract, um, uh, the pendulum shift away from Merlot yet. No, in no. the in the customer base. No, I mean there probably is, but it's sort of like a. a is well, I operate my business operates sort of on the edges, <laughs> whereas yours tries to nail the middle of the road. You have to. So it's it's, it's a really interesting conversation because I yeah. I do everything that you don't do. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, <laughs> yeah. why would I compete with you? Because you do it very well. <laughs> we um, we Rebecca and I we did at started Woolworths we started um, craft wines. Okay. We had some great stuff from Peter Valsa and we still yes. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a couple of other off the wall sort of wines. Mm. And we love it. We yeah. love doing it. But and is that in select stores? Is that right? Have I got that right? Yeah, it's in select yeah, stores. Okay, right. But we have such fun with it. Yeah, and sure. over well between us, but mm. we want to really get it done properly. Mm. But of course, it comes back to the bean counters, the accounting mm. guys. Yeah. Um, so what? What sort of? I mean, obviously, with three hundred stores or so, and you decide, mm. oh, look, you know, this is a great wine. It's going to go well. What sort of quantities do you need for it to, to make sense for you? What's the sort of minimum quantities? Well, obviously, depending on the price. Yeah, okay. But, um, well, um, we, we go right down to two, three hundred cases, mm-hmm. which would be our craft wines or something very expensive. Yeah. Um, it goes up to about 40,000 cases. Okay. That's quite good. I yeah. Think, it, and that's for something that's in every store that's. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. You know, we've kind of got two levels the yeah. lower level, or the cheaper wines, yep. with Woolworths is the big selling point. Mm-hmm. And you'll just stick the producer on the back somewhere. Okay. But and w- when we move up, and then it's equal to the producer and the Woolworths, and then the very few at the top of um, brand wines. Yes, expensive. I see. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we've got to arrange the signature series, which I started about uh, five or six years ago. Mm. And those are wines that I've done particularly with I've got to one winemaker, mm-hmm. so at Shiraz, I want someone who likes Shiraz and so on. Okay, uh, so, so you're, you're affiliated coming. with a winemaker known for yeah. that style of wine. Unique blend, yeah. okay. exclusive blend, yeah. and we both signed the label. I see. The Duncan Savage with Sauvignon, Donny DeVette with Chardonnay and so mm-hmm. on. Okay. And that's been good, but some of them, well, I did a Shiraz with Carl at the, the Morgan's on. Mm. Shouldn't on Shannon, but anyway. Because mm. the Shiraz, that didn't sell, and there were some that hadn't, didn't really take off, I think. I've now doing Shiraz with uh, Carl Schultz at Hartenberg. Okay. That's another producer that I love, and I think they make brilliant wines, mm. Hartenberg, but their wines don't really sell yeah, really? that yeah. well with us. Paul Kluber, a long-standing supplier, we think should do better. Yes. Yeah, long-standing. Yeah, they'll make some lovely wines. Mm. Chenin Blanc. Mm. South Africa is now probably rightly so commanding more of a a, uh, a portion of the in- column, column inches devoted to that great variety. Yeah. And again, when you mentioned, you know, people were drinking Shannon in the sort of the 80s and not in, in mm. sort of the 70s and 80s, then uh, uh, been more people drinking Shannon of recent times, have you seen? Yeah, for sure. Okay. In the old days, it was, you could get high crops from it. So it was like an everyday wine. You, you know, you've heard it called the workhorse. Yeah. It made just everything. Dry, sparkly off wine, dry white wine, wine, sweet, you know, just noble, that yeah. brandy, every single thing. Mm. And um, yeah, luckily it's been taken seriously now. Yeah. And do you remember the first sort of top end Shannon that sort of captured the, the zeitgeist and was, was able, able to be sold at a price I that. I love Shannon. Um, is it something like FMC or one of those ones? Well, or? FMC is amazing. Yeah. But I think Ken, 
You know, Ken Forrester, he, he championed Shannon from the beginning. Mm. And we started very long ago with him with a wooded Shannon. Yep. And it started taking off, and of course he's a great marketer. Mm-hmm. So Ken sticks out as one that, uh, that started making good Shannon. Yep. And now there's so many, man. Mm. And we still, Somnia Blanc is tapering off a bit with our sales. Is it? And Shannon is increasing. Okay. That's good. Goodness. That's good news. Chardonnay is clever. Bit level, light, slight increase. Okay. But Shannon is definitely showing increase. Yeah. So in, in, terms, in terms of percentages, if you've got them in your head, what sort of uh, percentages of white wine is in okay. Sauvignon and Shannon? Very roughly. So, yeah. Um, Sauvignon would be about 55%. Mm-hmm. Um, Shannon has grown to about 20%. Okay. And then um, Chardonnay about 10%. Right. And then the rest is blends. So Sauvignon's uh, double its nearest competitor. Yeah. Yeah, wow. That's, that's significant. It just flies out. Yeah, wow. And we've got a lot of it. Mm. Rosé's growing quite nicely. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. And do, you, do, you, do you see if that's coming off white wine sales or red wine sales? Or is it... Do you know if it's... I think of white wine sales. Okay. Yeah. So people are getting a rosé yeah. rather than a white wine. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. And, you, and yeah, when... What, I mean... What other Shannons were sort of breakthrough wines coming through the last sort of 15 years when you were? Well, Simon's like have always been undervalued. Mm-hmm. They make a lovely basic Shannon. Yes. And then a wooded Shannon. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yeah, but I'm just thinking. Yeah, Milan's doing some really interesting things at Simon's at the moment, I think. Um, yeah. 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 They're very good. And they, of course, were the pioneers of so much. Mm. Yeah. You like Shannon, eh? I love it. Yeah, but then again, I'm 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 not racist. I like all wine. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Do you like Pinotage? I do. Well, some of it, yeah, not not universally, but mm-hmm. um, some of it. I've even put my name on a bottle of Pinotage. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. W- where was that from? Uh, from the Swatland, actually. Yeah. Um, we asked um, yeah. Jurgen Coast to make one because uh, we loved. We used to love. Jeanette and I used to love the um, the lamb Pinotage that. Craig and Jürgen made when they were at Lamoswick. We used to love that wine. Absolutely. Mm. It was the right price and it was just an effortlessly delicious light-bodied red wine. Mm. And obviously when Craig and Jürgen left Lamoswick, um, that wine was no longer. So we just asked Jürgen, who was making the wines, the lamb wines pretty much, and obviously he was in the cellar mostly. Craig, I'm not sure where Craig was, but um, uh, just asked him if he could make a similar style of wine just with a little bit more sulfur, we wanted it a little mm. bit more um, stable um, to drink ourselves and to send back to Australia. Because uh, we thought, mm. you know, that wine would, would do really well. And that's what's happened. So, yeah. yeah. So he's, uh, last few years, he's made a, just a ton for us, which is not mm. much. It's about a pallet of wine. Um, but this year we've, uh, we've, we've doubled production into two tons. So <laughs> Big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look out. <laughs> yeah, I might come calling. Yeah, we come. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, but I mean, I like, I mean, obviously uh, I sell the Spioncop wines. I love mm. Gunn's Pinotage. I think he has yeah, he a really lovely Pinotage. touch to it. Um, I also like the uh, the Beaumont um, Pinotage, a slightly heavier, mm. uh, denser wine. Um, I've, I've liked the Canon Cop um, uh, Pinotages. It's uh, brilliant. Yeah, oh. it's not, I think it's one that needs a bit of time, mm. but that's the way they make it as well. So, yeah, look, there that is some... That old Canonco Pinotage is amazing. Yeah. I've not had many old ones, unfortunately. Mm. I've had a, a few old Cabernets and things like that, but not mm. old Pinotages. 
I was lucky enough to have a, a, um, a Lanzarote Pinotage, a 63 out of a yeah, bottle in the, yeah. um, at the, uh, the tabernacle. And that was yeah. mind blowing. Like that, that totally changed my view on old South African, well, that mm. and the, the 1940 Shadow Libertas, uh, which I think was a fair bit of Pinotage in that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were just incredible wines. Like just yeah. for, like they were tasted blind and they just, they tasted about, 40 or 50 years younger than they actually mm. were. Um, yeah, they were phenomenal wines. Um, so it's a pity that those sort of mm. wines aren't being, that that sort of got lost. It seems like there was a, a real yeah. um, uh, style of making red wine in South Africa during post-World post War II, mm. pre-1980s. Um, yeah. I say the 80s was probably the, where the, the modernity sort of hit, yeah. came into collision with South African wine. And in the 80s that would, would Barrels would be starting to be used. Yeah. New oak and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So big. Like 225s two, two and 300s and things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, and obviously part of the new wave of mm. South African producers is, is going back to those old ways, or well, s- selectively. Mm. <laughs> selectively. They might, they, might be, yeah. they might be paying a little bit more attention uh, in yeah. viticulture and all this sort of stuff. But I mean, when did you start drinking wine? When were you, what, what? Well, I grew up in the Eastern Cape. Yeah, I knew that. And yeah. I went You're to Rhodes beers, University. Yeah. yeah. Rhodes University, I was a, a drinking champion, but it was beer. Right. And came down here. I a drinking champion? Beer. Tell me more well, about I mean, that. They can't, you can't lift that slide. Well, I mean. Is that in the, quantity or? Yeah. <laughs> well, or, or speed? It, it was just a bit of both. Right. <laughs> funnily, funnily enough, there was a competition where you downed a beer, you know, mm. group of guys and you all. It, oh, like a boat race? A boat race. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you put in your head afterwards. Yeah. And I'm in my first year there with all the big old guys. I actually won that thing. All oh, right. And I, yeah. Anyway, it's a long story. You've been a minor celebrity. Yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah, I was a sort of a new a new kid on the block there. Yeah. But it was just a knack really of opening your throat. And, yeah. But anyway, I, was, I drank a lot of beer, loved beer. Mm. Came down and immediately met these incredible wine people, mm. and particularly Phyllis Hans, who lay. She, you said that, yeah. She was at Lanzarac. Yeah. What, she had, year, what year is this, roughly? In 1975. Okay. okay. And um, Lanzarac had a cheese and wine bar, which was very popular, a big outdoor cheese place. Okay. Um, and, well, cheese lunches and obviously other stuff. Yeah. And she ran this bar and she used to put a little board of wines to taste. Mm-hmm. So I got fascinated and I used to always go down and chat to her. And she liked me, I think. So she said, Look, would you like to go to a wine tasting? I sort of said, Well, what's that? You know. So she's no come along one evening, it was at Simonsach, and there was Jan Buran could see, there was like, all the top guys, Bayer's tutor, mm-hmm. um, Jan Malan, even his father, Franz Malan might have been there, mm-hmm. but all the big guys at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified, it was a Pinotage tasting. Okay. And there were only 74 Pinotages. And I was actually looking at everyone else's score, so I didn't go too far wrong. Mm. But, I, but I, that sort of thing inspired me. Yes. And then the Cape Wine Academy courses started. So I got straight into those, which was great. Okay. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, How did you get into wine? Me? Um, well, well, yeah, I grew up in a house where there wasn't much wine. Um, yeah. My house was full of um, fortified wines, actually. So rather than yeah. muskets and, oh, yeah. and tokays, as they were known. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, my formative years were spent sipping um, uh, secretly, <laughs> the bottles from the the old man's uh, bar. Um, uh-huh. 
But no, it's long story, very short version. Um, oh. I was working for the government in the office for the Minister of Health in Victoria. Yeah. Um, as a sort of a late teen after high school and a failed year at university. Did, um, did uh, computer programming for a year at university and just utterly hated it. I didn't hate it, I just didn't have anything mm. to co in common with any of my classmates. So I felt like a bit of a... What university was that? This was in La Trobe University in, uh, in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up working uh, as a sort of an admin officer, like an admin office admin person in the office of uh, the Minister for Health. And, uh, and that was interesting. Middle, I was the youngest person in that building by a long way. Um, yeah. So Friday night drinks, uh, working for the government, was quite an important uh, part of the week. And I got into wine sort of on those days there. Um, and then I got really bored of my job again uh, and took three months off and decided, what am I going to do with my life? I can't yeah. just keep drifting. And then... Uh, decided that um, that wine was, was going to be it. So I walked into mm. the local bottle store and said, do you have a job for me? And they said, yeah, you can, you can fill the beer fridge for, um, for a summer. So I did that for a summer and then I must have done a very good job of filling the beer fridge because um, they offered me a job at the end of summer and then I went from there. So that, yeah. was, that was in about 98, 99. And then, yeah, so yeah. I've been in the industry now 20 years, which is... What did you do in Australia? Uh, well, yeah, that. I worked in retail, wine retail to start mm -hmm. with, um, just as a sort of a local bottle store. In, um, in, uh, it was owned by um, Coles Meyer, a big supermarket group um, that was called Vintage Sellers. That was their sort of their premium wine store. Um, so I stayed there and was really interested. So I did a lot of reading, a lot of drinking, as you do. Um, moved around to a few other stores, ended up um, being the fine wine manager of one of the marquee stores, which is in Turak, mm -hmm. which is in sort of a very well-heeled suburb of, um, of Melbourne and then that was about 03 and I was starting to see the glass ceiling there's no really where to go after this and so I uh, went to Europe uh, two-year working visa in the UK was still available no. so I took that so I did uh, three months in um, in Europe before arriving in the UK so I did a month in France a month in um, Italy and a month in Spain what sort of wines were you working with uh, when For European wine in Europe in, no, I was just backpacking in Europe. Um, oh, it was really just a holiday. Yeah. Um, in in Melbourne, we were using we were, uh, we were working with high end Australian, and we were oh. starting to. That was the real start of when um, international European wines became sort of mainstream, and not just some yeah. fancy plonk that um, only the rich would drink. Um, that's when it started to really. Uh, be a little bit more democratic, you know, if it was yeah. good wine, no matter where it came from, people would buy it and drink it. Um, and then, yeah, then it ended up at Harrods in the wine department in 2004. Oh. That's where Jeanette and I met. Um, she was, did the same thing. So after doing it. Well, so wine, eh? Yeah. yeah Fantastic. We met her in the, um, yeah. in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, in the stock room and she was holding a box of Chianti. I thought she looked all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then, yeah, obviously we met and then, Got married mm. in South Africa in 07 and lived in Australia for five years, then came back here mm. six years ago. So, yeah, we're 12th year it's of marriage. It's interesting to me how Australian wine have really, how it really took off. Because mm. it had a very bad name. Mm. And then you know about Hazel Murphy, of course, mm -hmm. the mighty Hazy, mm. Hazel. And I got to know, I was judge, I judged SAA for many, many years, okay. which was great. So all the guys came out and judged, well, that was Len Evans, James Halliday, Brian Crozer, mm. met all the top guys. Yeah. Then I was planning quite a long trip to us to look at wines. Yeah. 
And Hazel Murphy got hold of me. I said, all the guys want to host you. So I had three weeks. I had one Australia in Sydney. Hmm. And then I went to Adelaide. When was this? What year was this? I would have been in 19... 2001. Okay. So we did Adelaide. We did, obviously, West Australia. Mm-hmm. We didn't yeah. get to Melbourne. So any place yeah. we didn't go. Yeah, right. But that Hazel Murphy, she was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. No, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, Australian wine's done very well, and it continues to do well. Obviously, there was a bit of a dip um, post sort of the 90s mm-hmm. where it was a race for ripeness, and some of those wines didn't very um, didn't uh, mature very well. But yeah. the, the rise in sort of more authentic um, uh, wines of Australia has helped, and the fact that Wine Australia, you know, the, the woes are equivalent, has a lot more money to spend. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes it makes Wozer look embarrassingly um, mm. under underfunded. Um, has helped, but also they started to champion the best wines from Australia rather mm. than the wines that they had to sell. You know, so they used to go mm. and pour Lindemann's bin sixty five because that's that was a huge contributor to their budget because it made they made so much wine but now they're actually showing the top end wines and showing the best of Australia not just the no, not just the the bulk stuff so it's no. it's, it's it's changed and look it was, they never did they never it was never um, due to not trying it was just mm. you know they've had a they've had enough funding to make mistakes and learn from them whereas i don't mm. think Wozers is allowed to make mistakes cuz they just don't have enough money no, <laughs> that's, that's right they you have get to, one bite of the cherry yeah that, exactly yeah. right they have to get a win every time unfortunately mm. um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, coming from Australia, where there's the wine areas is separated by a lot yeah. by, by a lot of distance. I mean, people some people don't realise that you know Hunter Valley and and Margaret River are two time zones away, and they say, oh, what was yeah. what was 2017 like in Australia? So well, yeah, you know, it, where? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's the size of yeah. Southern Africa. Um, but Hazel Murphy started below the line stuff, and she had a team of mm. of people working under her, mm. and they said she go to journalist door. Yeah. And say, look, you don't want to talk about Australian wines, but I'll leave these couple of cases, you know. Yeah. And she actually did it under the under the below the line stuff. Yes. On the Americans were still advertising in the glossy magazines and yeah, things. billboards and yeah, yeah. in flight magazines and yeah, exactly right. But then Australia, the wines they were new. I mean, people were used to um, European wines. Yeah. Suddenly there was that fruit and yeah. alcohol, which became overdone at one yeah. stage. Yeah. Yeah. Un- unapologetic enthusiasm is how I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and that has its own charm. But mm. yeah, it, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, you look at I mean, you mentioned it before, Cloudy Bay. I mean, that's been a phenomenal brand out, yeah. of, out of New Zealand, and sp- uh, precisely because it wasn't what was expected of a Sauvignon Blanc at the time. You know, in the early nineties when it came yeah. out, it was you know groundbreaking. Yeah, it was uh, so aromatic. But, uh, but they've maintained that, that whole, I mean, yeah. is, you know, for as long as you've been at Woolworths, these guys have been, and girls, um, mm. have been making a, a world standard wine that yeah. from a little corner of the world that you know, didn't really exist in yeah. the wine sense before that. Um, so it's a really interesting... You know Dog Point mm. next door, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan Sutherland, mm. he, you, know Alan, you know of him. Mm. Anyway, he's up in Natal, he's a horse breeder. Mm-hmm. Just sold his farm, but he married Vera John. She was a Miss South Africa. Okay. And his brother, um, what's his name? Kevin, Kevin Sutherland okay. is one of the owners. Him and James, James, James. You know. Anyway, they, they started it, mm. and I actually, yeah, they wanted. Jay, uh, Kevin was coming out here to do a big tasting around South Africa to sell the Dog Point wine, 
And he was with the, with the Australian rowing team. Okay. And sorry, New Zealand rowing team. Yeah. They were in Argentina for the Olympic Games. And he was on his way to South Africa. They were and in Argentina for the Olympic Games? Not to Argentina, man. Um, oh, for some major rowing thing. Okay. Anyway. Oh, the World Cup or something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, the World Cup. Mm. But oh, not Olympic Games. Yeah. So anyway, he had booked, Alan had booked him game reserves and tours, tastings, etc., around the country. Mm. He went to the airport and um, with his ticket, him and his wife, and they said, no, you haven't had your yellow, yellow fever injections. Mm. So he said, well, no one told me how to have that. You couldn't fly. Yeah. They had to cancel the trip, it was That's so awesome. bad. So Alan phoned me and said, well, I go around the country and promote dog point wines. I said, with pleasure. Dog point enthusiasm. Yeah, right. PowerPoints and all that. Yeah. So talk to me about Phyllis Hans. I mean, uh, that's, that's a new name for me. Mm. She was crazy about wine okay. and uh, lived in a farm just outside uh, Stellenbosch. Mm-hmm. And she, when the Cape Wine Academy started, she was one of the sort of main proponents of it. Okay. And she became the principal. And she was this is her, early 80s, is that when it started? Early 80s, yeah. Yeah, yeah beginning 80s. Or well, mid 80s, mid yeah. 80s, yeah. And then she got, she started the Cape Wine Master Program mm-hmm. and she was such a, a big, bub, not big, but a warm-hearted, bubbly person. Was she, she um, professionally involved in the wine um, industry or was she... Well, with the Cape Wine Academy. I mean, pre- was, previous to that though? Or was um, she? Only that she did those tastings at Lanzarote and okay. she was very popular. Yeah. So I don't think she was totally professionally involved. Okay. But she knew everyone in wine, all mm. the... British journalists and she used to travel and write a lot and so on. Mm-hmm. But she just got people do you want some cheese? Mm-hmm. Got people involved and hooked on wine very easily. Mm. And um, yeah, much loved. Mm. And she's still down at the age of ninety, rides horses. Oh right. She's on a farm just outside Stellenbosch. Oh yeah. right. That's so a wonderful woman. Okay. So a real sort of um, mm. uh, evangelist. Yeah, for, for wine. Yeah. 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 And so what's what's been the most significant um, change in the in South African wine from your point of view in the last sort of in the 2000s you think, mm. what what has been I think a lot uh, the young guys that mm. are coming through yeah people who've traveled the world and come yeah. start their own their own label here yeah and that is really well well suddenly we're popular we enter, the rest of the world is waking up mm-hmm. and over the last well 10 years it's been incredible yeah and that that's been very exciting mm. and those ones, ones like you do, but a lot of the other guys um, that have really all out and Duncan mm-hmm. Savage and so on. Mm-hmm. And that's been very exciting. And it's also given a bit of a wake up call to the more hardbound traditional producers here. Yeah. They've had to really push their game now. Have you seen that? Have you seen um, the response from the sort of the more established names? Yeah, they have to. Yeah. And in terms of. Because a lot of these new guys are basing their business model on buying fruit and working directly mm. with farmers. And a lot of these um, established names are estates, so they're obviously yeah. you know, within bounds and, and have their own. Has there been a, um, do you think, sort of a, a professional jealousy in the fact that, oh, no, if they want to make a wine from Elam, they can just go buy some fruit from Elam, or if they want to go buy... Yeah, make a Swatland one that can go up and buy You mean the new guys? Yeah. Do you, think, yeah. do you think the established names who have got the estate... Well, they've certainly got to wake up yeah. the whole thing. And also now, they've also learned there were only certain producers that 
had a good export market. Mm. Now they're traveling flat out. Everyone's traveling. Yeah. And I feel really sorry for some of the younger winemakers mm-hmm. who've got to look after the seller. They have to be busy in the vines. Mm-hmm. And now they're spending three months overseas in the year. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's fun for two years or so. Yeah. But now you're... Grapes are not looked after. Yeah, it's, easy, it's easy to turn 20 tonnes into grapes. It's, uh, mm. Sorry, 20 tonnes of grapes into wine. It's much harder to turn uh, 20, 20 tonnes of grapes into wine into than what, into yeah. money. <laughs> the, um, yeah. The traditional, the traditional guys have got, to work, have got to work a lot harder now. Mm. And they've got to be you on know, new ideas, a lot of marketing. Yeah, they're There, there are some, yeah. like Canon Corp, Neil Ellis and so on, mm-hmm. that will always sell. Yeah. But there are a lot of others the wrist and fjorders and so on, they really are too. So if I'm right, I mean, if I've been, if I understand it correctly, Neil Ellis was probably the first person to do that negotiant style? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. When he did just, that start? He started Elgin mm-hmm. with Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. From Blanc and Darling. Okay. I mean, yeah, he was the first, well, there was also uh, Paul Kluver, old man Paul Kluver, Dr. Mm-hmm. Kluver, and he started Elgin and then Neil, and Neil from... He was once owned by a family of mine, mm-hmm. and he found this lovely Sauvignon Blanc vineyards, and that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then Darling. Okay. He, he really was the first person to put Darling wines on the map. And when was that? When was that happening? Uh, also in the 80s. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. That long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Late, and then, late 80s. And then it sort of rejuvenated itself when, in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, when. But it only really, it seemed only really take, I mean, that was when it happened. Mm. But it seems to only really take effect sort of 05, 06, 07 when it was starting to really bubble up. Is that, so that is the, 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 fact that, the that new sort of way of making wine, of, uh, of buying fruit in and not necessarily yeah. you know, renting cellar space and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, no, there were a few, but not a hell of a lot of people. Yeah. Neil was, Neil was at Crit Constantia. Okay. And then he started, he went, he had a place in Devon Valley. Yep. And I used to go and blend there with him. Mm-hmm. And but then he started bringing these wines from other places. Started with just Stellenbosch, mm-hmm. and then uh, Darling Elgin. So was he buying fruit from farmers? Was he, or what was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. No, he was. And, and then really, making it at Crook Constantia. No, no, no. That he left Crook Constantia. Okay. And he rented the cellar up in. What have you heard of Louis Vale? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was on Louis Vale. Yeah, right. Met two German guys on Louis Vale. Okay. Two German friends. Yeah. Close friends. And um, they had a huge pack of, of schnauzer dogs. All oh, right. And I used to remember Bledy with Neil there, and these dogs would start wailing. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Mm. It? <laughs> How awesome. yeah. No, it's, 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 a, it's a really interesting um, history because the Winelands mm. are, are so locked together. There's not a big, I mean, there is now disparate places that people make wine, but yeah. sort of 30 years ago, even 20 years ago, there wasn't, it was all, you know, most all coastal region, yeah. you know, the far, furthest away you could go probably is, what, Hermanus, down mm. where um, Hamilton Russell and, and Bruchard Fenderson were, yeah. and then if you went north, where was, where did the, where did the, sort of obviously Paul and then beyond, was there well, any Paul, decent Paul and Stellenbosch were traditional. Yeah. Paul back, and Stellenbosch back into the 30s. Yeah. And uh, obviously, Constantia to some extent, good yes. Constantia. Yeah. But uh, things came only later. Um, in the 80s, you know, things started getting more adventurous. Mm. In fact, Dr. Kluver, Paul Kluver Sr., 
he started planting grapes in conjunction with Niederberg in Elgin. And we actually sold 1983 Riesling. In those days, it had to be Weisser Riesling mm-hmm. and a, Chab- a Chardonnay in 1983. From that, that mm. those were the first wines. Okay. We actually sold those. Yeah. And then Neil was Neil Ellis was just shortly after that. And that was was that a did that have its own WO? Was that WO Elgin? It was. Point? It was. Did yeah, have its own yeah. wine of origin. Did that, okay. Yeah. So it just spread it, spread, yeah. spread, spread, spread. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise before moving here that there was such a massive brandy culture as well yeah, in it was South huge, Africa. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you like brandy? I do. I mean, I don't. I'm not an avid drinker of it. Mm. I enjoy it. Um, I generally enjoy it about 2 a.m. though. That's the problem. Mm. <laughs> I, In a really... big glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and lots yeah, of yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no one can see me being an idiot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or can remember. Yeah, but I had yeah. no idea um, that there was such this mm. massive... Yeah, that, no, that a huge, lot of yeah. the, um, the vineyards were actually devoted to brandy rather than, mm. than to wine. Colin Bosch, Shannon Blanc and things like yeah. that. Since, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah was... And our brandies are really good. Yeah I, yeah, I went recently went to um, Van Rains again. Mm. I went there probably six months after I arrived as a bit of a sort of like a, um, to expose myself to the culture of the area um, mm. and was blown away. And then I went back um, well, a few months ago, just checking to see if you know, maybe I had uh, different expectations. And now being here for mm. five, six years, I'll have different expectations, but still... Really good things. Really, really good. Brandy sells are down. Yeah, but uh, yeah. why is that? Is it just because people people are drinking less, or <laughs> yeah, I think the brandy drinkers still drink a lot. Yeah, I think right. wines come in a lot. Yeah, and um, I don't know. Just the emerging class drinks whiskey. So okay, that you know, just whiskey's taken off. And Do you sell much whiskey at, at Woolworths? Well, or? of course, we in our stores. Yeah. it's only wine. Okay. No, nothing no fortified. Ah. No, not no, even nothing port. fortified. Not even port and sherry. Why not? Oh, it's ridiculous. It's been. We don't sell beer. Eh? Oh right. Crazy. Is this a, a self-governing rule, or is if that you a... go back my twenty-nine years ago? Yeah. The story was going the supermarkets were going to get beer, mm. so it was great. I used to decide what beers we were going to do, mm. and I liked Vintook. So I used to go up every year, maybe yeah, twice a year. Vintook's tasty. Yeah, and we were yeah. going to go for Vintook Tafel, but our label. Yeah. Did packaging, so it didn't happen. The next year I went again, we redid the packaging. Brilliant trips up in Bintuk. Yeah. Got a private plane to Swakopunt and so on. Nice. But it never happened. And But why didn't the, was it was it a the story was SA breweries were blocking it. They they didn't want supermarkets in. Okay. Because they so it's a licensing become thing a price war thing. Okay. And they're very influential SA breweries in the whole economy of, of South Africa. Mm. That was the one story we heard and um, guys went to court about it, yep. and it was always being blocked. We said we still can't sell beer. So it's a licensing issue, you should... basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, we only allowed to sell natural wine up to fourteen percent. Up to fourteen percent. Yeah. So if it's on the label, wine. anyway. Oh right, I see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and they 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 patrol it. Eh? Oh really? One, Who's they? One, uh, <laughs> the liquor board have got nothing else to do. Oh right. right. Okay. Yeah. They come and. But you put fourteen and a half in a label, they'll quickly take it off the shelves. Oh really? It's ridiculous, yeah, 14.5. And that's a licensing restriction yeah, that you have? Yeah, it has to be 14% or less. And, and that's true for all sort of food outlets as well? or Yeah, it is, except if you've got your own entrance. Then oh, it's spirits and all. Okay, so this is, this is on mm. the yeah. in-store, on the shelves. 
But I whiskey, see. fancy gins and so on do well for us. Mm-hmm. Odd Lion, yeah. which is building. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, in yeah. Natal in the Eastern Cape. Yeah, yeah, online's an interesting one. How much wine are you selling online now? Is it still not Not much enough. Or... Yeah, right. It's about 4 or 5% of the wine we sell. Okay. But we're working hard on it. Yeah, yeah. But we want to put together a site where it shows... Rob, Rebecca and I are going out to wine farms and blending and yeah. chatting to the guys and make it sort of interactive or, yeah. you know. Make, make, make everyone see how make hard you actually work, mate. Yeah, we're the ones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how hard we work. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Long before 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, that, I'm glad that no, um, no TV crews follow me out into the winelands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I didn't realise that. Okay. And yeah, but why crazy. not? Okay, I kind of understand the upper limit of of um, of restriction, saying nothing over fourteen percent. Fourteen percent, yeah. And so crazy. natural wine can what go down to eight percent in terms of the legislation. So yeah. you can't sell anything that's under eight percent either. I'm assuming. We, I think it's six. I think seven percent is. Oh, is it seven? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, so. Wow, that's very odd, isn't crazy, it? Yeah. And so you, that's. Uh, you think that they would want more outlets to sell their. Um, uh, their wares in, but mm. you know, but they're. Well, I don't know if that's still the case, but for some reason, it's still we can't sell. It's much more. Yeah, it's a little drop. That is that's strange, right. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. Isn't it? So, if conservative, if for example, you've got a wine and you blend it up and it's fantastic and mm. it's brilliant, you know, Cabernet or Cabernet Merlot from, or even a Shiraz from somewhere warm like Pearl or, or mm. um, and it, you come back and you get the, uh, the, the VinLab report that it's actually 14.6% alcohol. Um, we've got, locally we've got a 1% leeway. Okay. So we can go up to 14, for export it's half a percent. Yeah. And then you have to declare it, but yeah, it's 1%. Okay. So a lot of our, our sort of heavy Shirazes and things uh, sit at 144 or whatever, yeah, yeah. but then they're 14 on the label. Okay. Yeah. And you're it's, allowed it's, to do that. It's a ridiculous law. It is very and strange, it, isn't it? it? You know, it's always been on our licensing, mm. but nothing had ever been done about it. And suddenly about oh, 15 years ago or so, suddenly someone woke up and suddenly there was huge. We had to take all the, everything over 14% off the shelves, mm. other supermarkets as well. Mm. And every now and again, something came, slipped through. Mm. And they seem to be watching this. I mean, yeah, right. they're better things to do with your time. Yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Bloody ridiculous. There's, a, there's, a, there's been a, um, mm. uh, a direction from on high that uh, this has to happen or this has to be, yeah. And so what, I mean, what lies in the future for Woolworths? Is it, do you think it's going to be more online? Is that going to be the, the way forward? Or Definitely. It, yeah, okay. I mean, online is obviously great. Mm. I don't know about Australia, but we've been quite slow in this country. Mm. But it's growing. I mean, the online wine sites are getting better. Yeah. And there's definitely more response. And even the yeah. farms, well, the farms are now putting online. That's yeah. definitely going to go online big. Yeah. I just find I mean, um, logistics is very difficult in South Africa. They are very uh, difficult. Yeah. yeah. Especially for something that's um, mm. uh, quite um, fragile in the fact yeah. that it's made from glass and it's, you know, um, temperature fluctuations mm. can be devastating. Um, if you're on a truck from Cape Town to Johannesburg, yeah. going through the centre of the country for a couple of days, yeah. you're not always sure how uh, mm. how the wine's going to arrive. Our trucks are aircon. Uh, aircon mm. so, no, I'm, I'm just talking in general. Like yeah, in general, yeah, you know, yeah. Shifting um, wine around and 
mm. you know, getting wine up to the to the centre of population, which is Kauteng, yeah. from the area yeah. of production, which is Cape Town. It's you know, it's it's a two day trip. Yeah, um, most of our wine sold in Kauteng. You can yeah. imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, very interesting. Mm. Yeah. And so, are you? What have you sort of um, going to work and uh, to Woolworths until sort of? 2120 or something, <laughs> another, another, yeah, another 100 I'm, years, another, another, no, another, crack, another three yeah. decades? Look, I'm enjoying it a lot, as long as mm. I'm, I'd love to carry on. Yeah. At the moment, it's officially two days a week. Okay. But I, I do more. Yep. And every Monday I go in and yeah. our meetings in the morning, we chat about. So, so they're getting you for a bargain. You're, you're, you're working three, four days a week and they're only paying you for two. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. I can see why they're keeping you on. Mind you, there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, there are times, like yeah. over Christmas and that, when I do no days a week. Yeah, right. Okay. And harvest and so yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 okay. When it's busy, then I do a lot. I yeah, love it. Yeah. But Mondays I go into the work and we plan things and go through figures and mm-hmm. meetings and new supplies. Mm-hmm. The afternoon I take the guys, we do tastings. So, okay. And we taste new stuff and potential stuff and new blends and so on. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the time I go to the farms. Yeah. And that I love. I mean, I've known the guys for so long. Now. Yeah. So I gain out, it's like a visit that you... So seeing your cousins or, you know, family. Exactly, and, yeah. yeah. So when you taste, how methodical are you when you taste a wine? Are you making copious notes? Do you give scores mm. or do you, what do you? Notes and a lot of notes and mm. blending components, A plus, B plus, you know, where it's going to fit you. Okay, Yeah, and, you know, you, the typical blend, you might start with 12 samples, unwooded, wooded, uh, you know, all different varieties and so on. Or just say, just say a, a Chardonnay, yep. all the different Chardonnays and go through it and we'll kick out two, say, and try again and no, that's not so good. And na- narrow it down and then start trying them together. I think the whole thing with blending is balance. You've got mm. to, you know, you get a, I've seen so many people, not some people anyway, people I've worked with, that you've got a Sauvignon Blanc that's green pepper, pyrazini, so... And well, at one stage, that was what you were looking for. Mm. But there, you can't put five of those together. Yeah. So you've got to get your, your base. And I love it. It's like playing with blocks and mm. building something yeah. creative out of it. And how do you choose the producers you work with? I mean, is that just through knowing them for years and just yeah. seeing what they do? And, and, yeah. There are different variations on that. Yeah. Um, some because, well, say we're looking for these days, particularly a Shiraz at 120 Rand. And we'll narrow it down. And I've we got a couple you might be interested in, Alan. Sorry? I've got a couple you might be interested in. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we keep talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We must no, Shiraz at 120 yeah. bucks, yeah? Yeah. So now we'll think, well, who makes a Shiraz? And the people we like and people we think we can work with. Yeah. Um, and we'll get samples in and benchmark them and so on. Mm-hmm. We get sent in a lot of wines, which at the moment, hordes of wine, which we can't taste yeah, everything. Right. So we've said to the so guys. unsolicited. Yeah, but we've stopped yeah, right. that because yeah. it was just ridiculous. Yeah. We spent all of Monday on stuff that we would never consider. Yeah, okay. You so now we, time. Yeah. yeah. So we do get, but if we're interested in a certain producer, mm-hmm. then we'll look at their wines and we visit. We do a few exploratory visits mm-hmm. and look around and so on. But now, because we've got such a tight catalogue, quite honestly, about three years ago, we were flying. Mm. We were sort of like 100% up on previous year and oh, so wow. No, which was going crazy. Yeah. So we thought, brilliant. So we put more and more wines in. So two years ago, uh, accountants came in and said, look, you've got far too many SKUs. You've got 300 and something, and you need to have about 190. Mm. 
Mm. So it's been very hard. We've had to cut down, cut down. had to cull them. Yeah, We've had to, and then some people we love. Yeah. So it's been a a really tough two years. So yeah, have you have you managed that with with? I mean, people obviously you've been visiting for years, and you have to say it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. We just had to do it in some cases. Yeah. And yeah, um, it's more on if you don't sell a certain number of bottles a week, and we have to like try and we promote it, and Mm. we go through every exercise we can to mm. try and, and we, okay, we, so we, what I'm trying to say is that we get, we are less and less new wines because there's very little space. Mm-hmm. And I must be honest, the uh, BEE factor, mm-hmm. we uh, have to give, well, we do give our preference to someone with good BEE mm-hmm. credentials. Mm-hmm. And BEE is for those who aren't in South Africa? Yeah. Just quickly explain that. Black, black owned? Yeah. Black uh, economic empowerment. Yeah, uh, black economic empowerment. That's BEE. Yeah. You know, there's there's yeah. different levels that um, companies mm. and can and unfortunately, the yeah. black um, blacks have not really got a wine culture, mm. and so it's quite a tough one. Yeah, but, uh, just sort of forcing the issue a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's part of the uh, yeah part of the um, the mosaic of uh, modern South Africa, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Uh, on our sports team, have to have a certain amount. Of, oh, we're talking about cricket, are we? I thought I didn't think you'd want to talk about the cricket. Is, is there something on it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> not for you guys. No, no. <laughs> no. How can that is so appalling? Eh? Uh, my poor, I feel so sorry for them because it's not like they don't try. They they, they yeah. obviously try. They just 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 this. I don't know. Just don't got know. it wrong. Yeah, yeah just yeah. get it wrong. Exactly right. And yeah. no matter what they do, they um, you know if 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 they didn't take stain over. People mm. would say, why didn't they take our best bottle? Yeah. And they do take stain over and he breaks down. Oh, why bad. did he take, you know, <laughs> injured yeah. bowler? They can't win. There's no way known. The Amla gets injured and then the Giddy gets injured. Yeah, and Giddy gets injured. Amla's out of yeah. form. And, you know. The Giddy's the playing today, though. Is he? Yeah. All oh, right, okay. Oh, yeah, good. I hope he does well. No, because, I mean, like like with rugby, I mean, it's, it's, a, better, it's a better um, sport to watch if mm. South Africa's... Uh, in form, yeah. you know, a strong South Africa is good for cricket, and a strong South Africa is good for rugby as well. Because yeah. um, I think that with the culture of rugby here, and it is all pervasive, yeah. you're really the only country that can probably contend with the Kiwis long term. In the fact that you've got so many people playing the game um, yeah. seriously, whereas Australia has, you know, yeah. three schools. You know, yeah, they do pretty well. For what we they, we, we sneak got, a few yeah. players in from Fiji occasionally, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And a couple that, that can't make the cut in the but the Kiwi, in Kiwi. It's, it's a religion in Kiwi. Yeah, New exactly. Zealand. But it's almost like that here as well. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone sort of oh. uh, lives and breathes it. You know, when the box play, the world stops. Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. But uh, no, the cricket, the Prote- poor Proteus. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. New Zealand have been on the up for a while. Yeah. Cricket. Mm. And Australia was good. Yeah. But it's so good to beat the Australia. You yeah, I never, I never knew that before moving here. I never knew that South Africans had a thing for Australians mm. uh, in sport-wise. Because, I mean, without any hint of mm. irony or um, or sarcasm, we just didn't care about South Africa. We care about beating England. Yeah, and maybe Kiwis because they're our, they're our neighbours. But you know, we we care about who who's who's who Australia um, uh, beats, and we and we care that England loses. That's about it. And I didn't realise, I mean, I get all these sort of people, uh, hmm. especially when I first moved here, 
I had one of um, uh, Jeanette's cousins come up to me at my own wedding mm. and tell me, oh, I hate Australians. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I hope that works out for you, mate. Like, <laughs> it didn't worry you that it, much. It never yeah. occurred yeah. to me that, yeah. that, yeah. that, um, that South Africans had this thing for Australians in sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm very conscious of um, taking up too much of your time. Yeah. Um, but it's been wonderful speaking. With well, you. thanks, Deb. Yeah. No, I really, um, I really appreciate the time and uh, listening to the uh, to the stories. Um, just quickly, who are you training to replace you? So who's? who's, um, who's... Well, Rob, Rob goes pretty okay. Jack. Rob and Rebecca. Yeah. We used to have a buyer, and then I used to do all the selection and that. I see. And Rob and Rebecca have now split. They do business wise, but also a little bit of the wine side. Okay. Well, it's actually a very good question because it's been a, it's been sort of spoken about for the last 10 years and no one has really come in. <laughs> oh, right, okay. The ideal would be a BEE candidate. Yes. And I've suggested certain guys, some of these top sommeliers and so on, would be very good at it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just not happening. Mm. So I don't really know. Yeah, right. I mean, Rob's pretty good with wine and Rebecca's learning a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see. Yeah, Rob's been to a couple of my tastings. He really gets into it. He's, yeah. Oh, Rob's, yeah. yeah no, he's he good. his hands and feet dirty. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, thanks again. I appreciate it. Um, Pleasure, David. Pleasure.